When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Space The final frontier These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise Its continuing mission To explore strange new worlds To seek out new life and new civilizations To boldly go where no one has gone before kind of don't start like an official like hey welcome and we can but we don't we normally just start the podcast people our listeners know that we just like you just just do happen upon us like they just walked up to us and we're already in a conversation oh yeah it's so i love it (laughs) um (laughs) but it's actually just happenstance that we do it that way because we're not very organized right um i'm gonna wait to talk to you about your podcast till veronica gets here because she's sure Although she's late, she's very good at asking questions about things. And right now I'm just going to talk about how I cannot find a laundry basket that I like. Oh, interesting. Do you like a a lid or a no lid sort of laundry basket? So we have a hamper in the room. We've got a and we've got a downstairs laundry situation. So everything goes in the hamper. But my boyfriend does all the laundry. So he would like some sort of transfer of laundry receptacle. Yeah, and I am sense. like, he's like, I'm just going to buy the cheapest one. And then I'm going, I only want a certain aesthetic inside my home. Yeah, of and course. Feng shui and all. It is. That's where I've realized this is where. It, <laughs> the problems are. This, no, no. Like this laundry basket problem is actually we've come upon the, the place where it cannot be solved. Usually wow. I can go on the Internet and go. I can fix this problem where it's my feng, it's my feng shui, it's my aesthetic right. plus. So let me just share my screen with you because I want you to show you. Oh, yeah. Got to enable me, Skylar. He's very controlling. Really? He is. is so controlling. He gave me a script of talking points, it, too. It, and I, it's, it's like he, we ask him not to and he does it anyway. Crazy. And I just. OK, mm. so and I'm going to share sound, too, just in case. So this is the one I was looking at. It's oh, the interesting. Like Classic. It Scandinavia style round storage basket. Now look yeah. at this. No, notice this. 20, 2177. Okay. Okay. What about if you want the green one? Oh, what it's happened? $60. <laughs> what I really want is yeah. a, I want one of those grid laundry baskets that comes in like a color, like maybe okay. a pastel, like you had in the 90s, 80s and 90s. Right. Like just like Rubbermaid, whatever. Oh, but yeah. Those things are called vintage laundry baskets. And let me just show you. OK, let's see what that looks like. What happens here? Um, go to eBay, for instance. OK. And. You first you see, OK, these are not like, let's just go directly to eBay with this. Let's go to the source. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Um, Skip the middleman. It's pl- I'm going to say plastic vintage laundry. Well, OK. Right? Okay. Right. Oh, yeah. So then you start to go retro Rubbermaid. La- this is what I want. Okay. Retro. Vintage Rubbermaid laundry basket. $34. 20 standard shipping. And Robert. Yes. Robbie, this is the best deal that I've seen. Wow. And look at this. This is the one I really want. Or this one. 1970s. Yeah. Look at the shipping. $114 shipping. Jeez. Um. I got to say, I've had a recent eBay, you know, trauma. Some people oh might call it a trauma. Yeah, I got a, I got a Christmas gift for my son. He wanted um, a vintage film point and I shoot camera. I have inspiring story music. Let me just play it for you. Yeah, this is, okay, yeah, if it can be dramatic and tragic. Okay. In some way. Oops, that's too loud. Sorry. One second. Let me turn it way down. Okay. How about this? Does this feel good? Yeah. It's sort of like so there I was 
on eBay looking for the most important Christmas gift I could get. A point-and-shoot camera for my son. A Christmas gift. All right? Relationships are made and broken with these kind of choices. I find it. I order it. It says, working condition on eBay. Order it. My son pulls it out, whips it out, some may say, and it doesn't work. It's broken. On Christmas It was lies. Day. It was fake news. It was all of those things. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, how I can salvage this relationship with my son at this point. So I bought him another one from a store. <laughs> has this ever happened to you? Oh, I can do it. Is this, has, this, has this ever happened to you? <laughs> no, it doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, that's There's really, no reason. That might be a little too dramatic. There's no reason to have all of that. Okay. Yeah. Um, that is eBay. Evil. Yeah. Do you think? Because it was it a dis was it a dysfunction that could have happened in shipping? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. What I mean, it? yeah. Do you have yeah. to write the person and go, "Hey, by the way, this is for my son." I know. Get a little personal in- investment or something in this. I mean, no. It, it, we have to it, change it, your email to I have a family dot care about me dot com. Whatever. Exactly. 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 Um, yeah, Veronica's it was here, a bummer. and that means we get to introduce our guest. But I will end this uh, vintage uh, horror story segment real quick <laughs> by just showing Robert um, our guest today: the vintage 1960s Sulo floral laundry basket designed by Luigi Colani, four hundred and fifty dollar plastic laundry basket. Wow! Wow! So that's where we're at. Um, today's guest, you know him from working with me. Actually, that's where I know him from. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I'll say hi to you, Veronica, next, because you're late, so you're getting punished, which is what you like. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I'm really getting to know Veronica quickly. She loves a spank. Yeah. Who doesn't, really? But you probably, if you're listening to this show, are a Star Trek fan, and therefore you know him. From you can't clap in without being recording, Veronica. I'm recording. No, you're muted. Is what it is. Okay, you are recording. Okay, I'm sorry. I should. You know what? Welcome, Veronica. Back. welcome, Veronica. Oh wait, that's great not, clap. That Thank you there. so much. Yeah, uh, really great clap. <laughs> it was a little punishing. <laughs> it was a little. I was just too showing Alice what I really like. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and that, you know, just to give you an inkling of what you're in for. But um, Robbie Duncan McNeil is our guest today. Uh, you know him from. Can you hear this clapter? I do. Yeah, I hear okay. the clapter. There he is. The clapter is. You know him from his directorial debut. Um, not his debut, but one of his directorial debuts. There's been a lot on, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Resident Alien coming out on January 27th. Yes, but you also is. know him from Star Trek Universe. Oh, my God. It's coming so soon. I'm so excited. So soon. Um, he also played Tom Paris. Tom Paris, yes. On Deep Space Nine. No, Voyager. Voyager, sorry. Vo- or Voyager. Wait, There's been you so also many Star Treks at this point. Voyager. 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 Sorry, weren't you on Voyager? Voyager. Voyager. That's the new one coming out. Voyager is a, the, the French quarter of the Borg. Wait, I have a question for I you. I Star are Trek Voyager. Really, are you guys really Star Was Trek I? fans? Yes. Are and you that really? is a question we get a lot. And next gen is your is your jam? It's because we're so just, pretty. We um, one of the things that we like our theories is that you don't have to know everything about Star Trek to be a Star Trek fan. For instance, you don't have to know which series your guest was on. <laughs> That's <laughs> one thing you don't, you don't need even to have know. to know, or even anything about them. You just have to just be here. <laughs> I didn't watch. Um, I haven't watched Voyager, all of Voyager yet. I've only seen, you know, the episodes I, I watched in syndication. Um, yeah. And then also when I do research for other Star Trek projects. So I'm, mm-hmm. but we're getting to it because I've only watched like three seasons. Oh no, two seasons of Deep Space Nine. So, cause I'm kind of watching in order now. We've watched oh, yeah. original series, which I had never watched before. Hated Great. it. I'm Agreed. a diehard dyed in the wool TNG person. TNG is awesome. And I was then, on TNG, by the way. I did an episode of TNG. Which episode? Uh, the first duty. 
I don't know what season it was. Okay, it was we're late. Gonna find it right wanna, now. The first duty. D-U-T-Y. Sometimes I say the first duty. Look at and it Alice's like face. A I feel thing. like Alice's look. Like the way I feel in my heart right now is how is Alice how I look. yeah. looks. Yeah. yeah. She's like, <laughs> I am in your hand, Because that, that episode rings a bell. So the first oh, duty, it was when Will Crusher came. He was going to graduate from Starfleet Academy. You and, were in uh, his class. I was the bad guy in that. That's I mean, right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! There's gotta be. So you be. know Will Wheaton. Yeah. I am very upset right now. Yeah. So she's not. Is not. I okay. feel very confused. Yeah. About. There's us, right? I remember you. Oh That's my me. god. That's You're me so and Will. handsome. Did, did you guys do that episode yet? Did you yes, talk about that one? Oh my god! Oh, you yeah. did. That was me. Here's the funny thing about it. That was a long time ago. Right. It was like 30 years ago. So I'm a little older. And now, it, it, I don't know if you guys do video or just audio on this, but like for people that have seen me, like seen the that, video. that stuff, like I have a beard, I have glasses, you I wear into a baseball a different kind cap. of snack. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you turned yeah. from a juju bee into some. Alice, of a, I want to be you like know, you. An oatmeal cream pie of or something. Like yes, that. exactly. You know, one, exactly. Little, one little Debbie to another. Um, and yeah, I look. I look very different, so I don't get recognized a lot, and uh, that's I, fine that's with me. That's never gonna happen to me. I'm no. like gonna be the same. I look like a 12 year old, and I'm 39, and I'm gonna just. <laughs> you I, will always look 12. I was born 12. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She never looked a baby or a toddler. She was never just, looked a baby. <laughs> you just, you um, just came out, bam, done. Just plopped right out. Uh, this is crazy. so exciting. Should... I'm like uh, flipping out a little bit. So season five, when did we do that? We'll have actually. Seven, we did it a while ago. Busy. If you're not busy, you could tell us when we released it because I'm going to be really mad at myself if I knew you because I would probably have known you when we did five nineteen. Because if it was, yeah, probably. Because we had started on uh, episode, or we had started on the season at that point, and you didn't take over till after the pilot. After the pilot, yeah. You did so good in that episode. That was so great. That was a good episode. Well, it was a stressful uh, it, episode. It was the episode that um, that led to me doing Voyager for seven years as as a different character, Tom Paris, but very similar kind of character, like somebody who was. Kind of problematic and troubled and needed some redemption. Um, yeah. Anyway. The Alex Karev. Um, the yeah. the Carrie. Um, First Duty. First Duty. Yeah. First. Yeah. Nick Locarno, the character on Next Gen, got in a lot of trouble. And then when they did Deep Space Nine, since you're talking about Deep Space Nine now, they talked about bringing that character, Nick Locarno, onto... The space station in that in that show, they talked about him being one of the characters and uh, that he would be like a freighter pilot or something because he couldn't be in Starfleet because he got in trouble in First Duty. And then they didn't they kind of rejected it. And so they had thought about it for Deep Space Nine. And then when Voyager came around a couple of years later with the first female captain, which is a big deal, you know, uh, for for the franchise and um became you know groundbreaking for for star trek in a lot of ways in 94 when we did that show um anyway when they were putting that cast together they went back to the nick locarno character from next gen and they were like maybe this is a place we could bring him on and so they talked about it and they decided not to bring nick locarno as a character but they liked what i had done in that one episode they're like hey come audition for this different name but basically mm -hmm. the same guy we'll call you lick nicarno <laughs> lick Nick Paris, yeah. Lick Nick like Paris. That. Yeah. And then it kind of evolved into just Tom. Yeah, it sort of evolved. Tom yeah. for short? How's um, that? Tom. Let's go with Tom. <laughs> so you were Tom Paris. Um, what were the Tom Paris episodes? All of them. Uh, all of them. He was a series reg. I was a series regular on Oh my show. God, you were Josephus, it's true! <laughs> <laughs> it's all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what she said. I need to take a moment to like... There was one episode, we did 172 episodes of Voyager, 
I think there was one that I didn't have a line in mm-hmm. where I just sat on the bridge flying things around. But otherwise, yeah, I had. Uh, yeah, that's of course I know that. this is probably this is our first time I'm having a, a, having a real um, besides we had a uh, freaks. Oh, you did a moment. We did a little interview, uh, yeah. phone interview, but we did, have never had a guest in studio who was like in the pre-modern era <laughs> episodes. Because I we're really fascinated, especially since you were on Next Gen, with like the process of making the episodes since we've watched and watched and rewatched. Yeah. It's it's fun to see and imagine your Brent Spiner coming in for a two second scene in the beginning of the day. And then as we know, as we make TV, it's like what that what that means is the person flew in, came in. at They had a call time of five. Yeah. Then they left by 3 p.m. and they were in Palm yeah. Springs for the weekend, you know, like. Yeah. Like, well, that was the nice thing about the Star Trek shows because of the ensemble cast. Um, the only people that really worked, usually worked pretty hard every episode were the captains. So uh, Patrick on yeah. Next Gen or Kate Mulgrew on my show. Um, but not always. In fact, the episode uh, you guys had said, watch uh, Inheritance or you're talking about Inheritance, I think. Yeah, we're talking about Inheritance. Maybe. Yeah, it's funny. I kind of I didn't I watched a lot of it just to kind of check it out. And I noticed Patrick was not in that episode very much, like a couple of scenes. He in had fact, very little to do. The scene that he is in the most is the funniest because it's like the most obvious we had to get Picard in this episode scene. Right. <laughs> yeah. That there, I, I maybe have never seen another more obvious insertion of Picard. So Veronica, you watched the episode, right? Um, oh yeah. Because uh, it, it is inheritance, which is actually, well, we had just covered force of nature was the previous episode, which is one of the worst episodes I've ever seen. Mm. It was really bad. Yeah. There's show. some stinkers. There's some star Trek stinkers. <laughs> some stinkers for sure. and clinkers. Well, yeah. well, I want to ask you about this. I want to ask you about this. Uh, Cause you know, one of the things that happens with TNG is that we know when Patrick Stewart is, he's been always a, an amazing actor, but you can tell at this point, if you know him when he's like, I don't want to say it. these fucking lines. I don't want to say these lines. Yeah. Um, did that happen a lot to you? And you're like with Kate decent on set. It didn't uh, with Kate Mulgrew. It didn't. It didn't. Or with you. That I'm aware you. of it. Did Well, OK, here's my answer to that. I know on Next Gen, when they first started out, Patrick would get a script and he would call the writers and say, I'm not doing this. It's bad. I don't want to. I'm not going to do it. Like, go back and rewrite it. Me so on, they had a me lot on Resident of Alien. That's amazing. Yeah. So he he Patrick definitely wielded a lot of power. I think Patrick thought it was going to be a year and out like, Oh, I'm a Royal Shakespeare guy. I'm going to come over here and do this silly thing. That's for syndication. And it's not going to go. And I just want to go back home and do King Lear, you know, at the Royal Shakespeare or something. So he didn't think it was going to last. So he, he kind of didn't care that first season. So from what I heard so he was like, if it was not good, he would let them know. And, um, I think by the time they got to our show, which was seven or nine years later, whatever, when we started doing our show, I think they had learned from that experience and they right out of the gate said to us, you say every word on the page, you can't change a this or a that or anything. They came at us a little combative Mm -hmm. to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. So we were always very gun shy to like say, Hey, this makes no sense. So there wasn't a lot of that on my show, but on on Next Gen, there definitely was. I think that cast wielded a little more power in terms of dialogue and things but like that. From what I've watched of Voyager, it doesn't feel like you guys, maybe because I've watched later episodes, but it doesn't mm. feel like you guys are like, it's not like a Woody Allen where it's like every, you have to hit every, you know, like I, mm. the dialogue's casual. It's not like. I don't know. It mm. didn't seem like you guys it were like poked, poked into it. It felt like it, it very much to me has the same sort of rhythm as a as next, next gen, gen episode. Yeah, I think so. It was all the same writers. The pa- it was it's the all, pausing. All the same. Really? It was all the same. The staff basically uh, a little bit different, but v- very little. It, it's funny as I was watching your episode Inheritance and looking at all the names in the credits. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my they God. were on our show and That's they were on our crazy. show and they Every writer, every producer is the same person in charge of forehead aliens. Just like, look, I, I don't know what else yeah. to do. It's like, I guess it's like a pen. 
Maybe yeah. it's a pen that's here. <laughs> a stapler. Just let's add a stapler yeah. so that so out of ideas. <laughs> yeah. They're just like a, a, a tea vagina. Yeah, that was Michael Westmore was the head of makeup. He did oh all God. the shows from Next Gen all the way through Enterprise, the last show oh of that. I worked with someone, um, J.R. McKinnon. He, uh, uh-huh. he worked in Strange Angel and then he was like, I worked on TNG and then he continued working on Star Trek like until now. Yeah. And uh, it was really hard to work with him every time I had to work because I was like, <laughs> just trying not to be thirsty and ask him all the questions about the yeah. prosthetics and all the shit because it was so it's so fascinating. How many yeah. things, like how many foreheads you have to come up with? Yeah, speaking of prosthetics, I and on inheritance watching it, one thing that like totally shocked me when we got to data in the holodeck with Sung. Mm-hmm. The doc, the the scientist that created data, the old and, makeup, yeah, the old makeup, and Brent Spiner's playing that doctor, the creation, the the creator, and all of this, I had to pause it and go, oh my god, they made Brent look like Rick Berman, who was the showrunner. He looked just <laughs> like the like exactly. <gasps> if you Google what? Rick Berman, the showrunner, oh, we're googling. Which, which, by the way, I was like, that's <gasps> not an accident. He's like, Doctor right it's not an accident that that rick the showrunner said i want the creator of data to look like me i make brent up to look like me so i can sort of be like metaphorically the guy that created this show doesn't it look the link it's dr song right looks like rick berman what a dork he really loved his job he was (laughs) like i agree i created all of them that's just like doctor the actual dr song yeah, like the hairstyle and everything, you know. I was going to say that uh, I have heard Picard <laughs> or, or Patrick Stewart talk on in interviews about this, the whole experience of going through like, you know, they said this yeah. was going to not last. They were like, no way it's going to season two for sure. And he's like, OK, so I'll sign this seven year deal. And they're like, yeah, because yeah. you're not going to get stuck in it because nobody cares and this show's not going to happen. And then to watch... Uh, Pat Stu come back to Star Trek at the end of the arc of his career is super touching because, you know, I love that lesson as a, um, an actor myself and a person in this industry that like the thing you are most resent, you know, the thing you're most like, Oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. You know, like it's so beautiful that it ends up being the thing that he wants to return to in a lot of ways. And he's spoken yeah. about this. Like he's just like the, the connections I made with a, a group of people who watched a television show, the connections people made with this character are just unlike, you know, yeah. like it's like, it's like, this is the King Lear of our time. And like, I get to do this now. So there's no reason <laughs> yeah. I should stop doing it. And Alice has referenced King Lear one way or another in every episode since the quarantine begun. I wrote, <laughs> I wrote King Lear during the quarantine. And then yeah, everybody's exactly. like, so does Shakespeare. And I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that about like Patrick returning to his character, Picard, which I love that series, by the way, Picard, the first season. Me too. I watched it. I loved it. And, and I'm sure you talked to Frakes. Did you talk to Frakes about returning? No, to that? we talked to him before it was at. Oh, yeah, we talked to him. Well, into talk it, to actually. Him, talk to him again because he's got great stories about just how moving that was, and particularly one moment. Oh, okay, let me pencil it in. Yeah, talk to him again. <laughs> I just thought we screamed when you t- said that you were on TNG. Uh, <laughs> it was just us with a, like a long, high pitched tone yeah. the whole time. Okay, sorry. We continue. He, he was, continue. Yeah, Frakes was talking about this of returning back to something that you, maybe you minimized early mm-hmm. in your life, and he said Pat, he and Patrick were sitting out on the dock. I don't know if you remember the scene when yeah. in Picard when Patrick goes back to to Deanna Troy and and Riker's house in the cabin in the in the country, and and they have a moment where they take a walk. Uh, Picard and and Riker take a walk, and they go out on this dock or out by this pond or lake. And Frake said, you know, for the wide shot, they had to take the camera way across the pond. And it was just Patrick and I out there by ourselves. There was nobody around. And he said, we just sat there and realized, like, here we are again, you know, 35 years later, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. with so much of our lives behind us and Mm -hmm. so much has changed. And yet this is still 
happening. Like this relationship of, Mm -hmm. of our characters, of our friendship in real Mm -hmm. life of, he said it was just a a moment where they both Mm -hmm. really kind of teared up and said, here we are. Look at us. We're what a gift this, this show has been to us. And, uh, and I, I, I am kind of in my, I'm 56 years old now. I started on that show in my twenties. We have to end the episode now. Yeah, we need to. Nobody over. No oldies. But but I'm starting to with my own podcast that happened during this COVID time. Oh yeah, I'm starting. Well, let's talk about that in a separate. Let's we'll we'll talk about that in a separate thing. But with with that process for me of kind of pausing a minute to kind of reflect on something that I definitely minimized back in the '90s as an actor, I was like, for me. When I got on uh, Voyager, it was all about getting to direct because I'd been wanting to do that for a few years. And I was only 29 years old when I got on the show, but I was like, directing is what I want to do. And um, so that was my focus. And I, and I walked away seven years later. I didn't look back on that job, really. I was like directing ambitions, and that was my focus. But now, 25 years since we made the pilot of that show, I'm able to sort of look back and go, God, what a gift what a gift that like that show's still on the air today voyager is still playing somewhere somebody's watching it like what other job have i ever had that's still on the air zero that's still in the air so um it was like and it's not only a blessing like it's a i'm i'm getting very emotional with what you're saying because it's, I'm getting a more emotional. It's giving us slightly more emotional than her. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's giving us still like we've connected with a lot of people through our love for yeah. Star Trek, for the show, for TNG, for, you know, yeah. Voyager. Each fan is like has a specific focus and yeah. it's nice to see who likes what, which one of the shows. And but yeah. either way, it's been like such a nice community of people. It's very diverse. It's like very I think diverse. Yeah. The most. Yeah, it's just all kinds of everything in in this planet and everyone's just like a teddy bear of like yeah veronica the other day i was watching the video from the live show no that we did in person and yes yes. live shows used to happen i remember saying it's a the karaoke song um for gorn and the whole audience is singing along um we made a song about gorn who is the i'm already gorn tos Based on the Natasha Imbruglia Natalie. song, Torn, Natalie Imbruglia. <laughs> so it's like, I'm already Gorn. I'm a lizard. You know, like. And <laughs> I'm a lizard face. <laughs> Just a big old lizard in a giant golden dress. Anyway, so like the whole audience is like singing right. along in chorus to this song, Gorn. And everyone's just <laughs> laughing. Here, everyone's just like, joy. It was just the, I guess doing podcasts is not the same exact thing as like having the ability to tell these stories to a wider audience. But, but I think Star Trek being the linchpin really does like, it makes so much sense to me that there's so much Star Trek um, fandom and that the Star Trek fandom is so widespread and diverse because and soft. um, it really is like (laughs) the meaning of being like, they, they made this show full of the like hubris of like, let's make a show with no conflict that's just about humanity exploring the galaxy and yeah. it's about the future in which a utopia exists and and morality then, and diplomacy yeah mm. and then through that experience they started to create a show that was actually about the deeper meaning of like questioning is it okay questioning to be human. A human the way we're being human and and what does it mean for you know everything what does everything mean all the time and yeah and uh and they succeeded in a lot of ways in doing it in a way that was super universal. Yeah. Um, and beautiful. Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here with huge news. We have a terrific episode of Office Hours Live prepared for you. We had the great stand-up comedian Kyle Kinane come in and a very special in-studio music session from legendary Mdu Mokhtar. You're not going to want to miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up and listening through your app.
Yeah, I think what you said, like what it means to be human, something you just said like that, like looking at what it means to be human. I definitely feel like um, sci-fi, Star Trek in particular, in the kind of world they, that Roddenberry created or that has evolved, it's really evolved. It's not even his anymore. It's very, very much um, a cocktail of a lot of different inputs. But using Star Trek and science fiction as sort of a vehicle, like through characters like Data, to look at what it means to be human as a child of a a, a, a mother and father in that story, inheritance. Like, what does it mean to yeah. be a a son of someone and and what does being loving really mean does it mean telling my android mother that she's not human does right. it does it mean you know i there's so many ways that star trek and sci-fi can sort of get right down to the core of those questions and still um yeah and 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 and, and do it in a way that's uh accessible for a lot of people you know isn't it funny that we have to I'm going to respond to a few other things that you said, but I just want to point out that it's kind of funny that we have to go all the way to space, like just get us out of the, our Earth mm. daily context. And, and then that's when we can like once we're out of our motherland, I guess uh, yeah. we can tap into the core of us because we're it's, it's just like a, an excellent device because now we're like out there, you know, and now it's like, yeah. The, I don't know, something about that, about being context. in the edge. Yeah, that's like, okay, who are we then? Because now uh, we're explorers yeah. of space. We're dealing with non-humans. We're dealing with phenomena that's like, you know, we yeah. ha it's that's a magic to me of sci-fi. It's just taking all this. If everything was possible, then what's what's the center, the stick that, you know, holds it all together is humanity. That's yeah. That's what... I don't know. I think that's why it's so successful and why I'm such a like um, sci-fi fan. Not maybe in the term of like, I know everything, but I just like get sucked right into it consistently yeah. because yeah. of that. Um, and then I wanted to point out something because you said about the humanity of data and that's so it's always so great when they explore humanity through data specifically. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you said something that stood out to me, which is like, Data is loving in his action, even though mm. he has no feeling. So we're there is something that says like love can exist be like beyond feelings, beyond mm. like the, the the sensation of a feeling, because that is a loving action. It, it's just mm -hmm. like uh, what makes him ultimately very human, and yeah. that's very impressive to me. And then also uh, this woman and and being. And artificial intelligence is so like, it's very intense. I mean, to me, it yeah. just feels very uh, like quite a bomb to throw in the last 10 minutes of the, of mm -hmm. the episode. I was like, I want more. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was moving. Star Trek, uh, they definitely discovered it on Next Gen with the Data character that kind of taking that point of view of the non-human character like Data, or even I guess on the original series, um, Spock, the non-human, yeah. non-feeling, you know, Spock was sort of a, a, a data version, you know, a version of data before data, you know, yes, he was yes, the one yes. that wasn't experiencing all the human stuff. And so for them to almost in a childlike way, have to learn what, who humans are and what they're about is a great lesson for us. It's a great vehicle for us. Um, I'm laughing because I don't know if you know this, but our Levi auditioned to be Spock on the new. Oh, he did? I, I didn't think he got kind of close. Wow. Which, if you know Levi, is like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, obviously, he's a wonderful actor and he could do it, but that character being so close to, I mean, I know Spock, you know, like, I've yeah. watched the original series, I've watched the new series, like, Spock is this specific, like, you know, like really attached to his Vulcanness and stuff. And just to imagine the, like our neurotic Levi. Yeah. Um, being like, <laughs> trying That's to not control. Logical. it's not logical. So, you know, um, <laughs> but How would uh, you have played Spock, Alice? I would have been like, um, I would have been like this, like, <laughs> it's actually not logical. So. 
I would have been like, like, very, like, yeah, we need that. Yeah, the only thing that's logical is to do what I just said, but <laughs> that's Perfect. what I would do. Um, but I <laughs> thank you. That's a really good spot. It's just like, so yeah, that's <laughs> just like now. <laughs> just holding. I wouldn't let them do makeup. <laughs> I would just hold my own eyebrows. Like, okay, you done? You know okay, what? Here's what's actually logical. <laughs> 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 the, the Vulcan Valley girl is great. Uh, so there's uh, the neurotyp the the autistic community is very attached to data. Like the, um, I think there was like this oh, really? real attachment between like when Star Trek fandom of DNG sort of sprang about. There was a real, there was like a lot of people who I think there's writing about this. I I'm, I'm sure that there's interviews, but like there was like a a special subset of autistic and Asperger's like autistic spectrum people who were like data is so great. Like data is the perfect character for us to identify with because he has like this, he has a just a different kind of humanity. It's just the, his humanity is like his, his curiosity and the way he like um, expresses himself is through these exploratory things. And he doesn't always understand people's uh, like, so-called like emotional reactions to things and he's confused by them. And that's really something that, you know, like some people on the autistic spectrum share. Mm. And so he was kind of this hero in that way. And um, I also think it's like a credit to Spiner's portrayal. And then what else was I going to say? Oh God, you're a podcast. I want to talk about it too, but we also have to talk about this episode. So (laughs) I feel like you were talking about neurodiversity and data. And I feel like I'm a little bit, uh, um, Venn diagram between Data yes. and Riker. Yes. Because there's a part of me that it's good to see some char- a character like that. That's a little bit more like a child and curious and also a little bit flat in his emotions. Because I feel like that frequently, you know, yes. like I just I'm mm. just like, don't read sometimes. I read social cues and so I'm like half and half. I don't know how to explain it. So yeah, I agree. Knowing Yeah, you. it's weird. <laughs> so it's good to see a character like that be like. Accept it as a full human. Treat it as like as this emotional friend. Like I, I get emotional about you, Data, your friendship, and he is consistently showing uh, love in 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 his actions. So it's just like very healthy to have something like that. I feel mm. for for just people, and <laughs> and it doesn't feel like it's it's you know the it's kind of. Fantastic, too, that it started so early in the history of television because yeah, so many shows are just catching up with Star Trek ideas. So mm-hmm. many shows are, are catching up to the idea of like a like a mixed or well, well-rounded cast, you know, and, mm. and Star Trek was never like two blacks, one Latino. You know, they were just it just seemed like that was part of the world of yeah. this place. So it just was like a natural occurrence, which wasn't natural. Not in the 60s and not in the no, 90s, not, the way it not happened. When, not when Gene started. No, very, very unusual. Yeah. Yeah. So it's ahead. It's ahead of all of television history, frankly. Uh, so let's watch that scene. Uh, let's let's preamble this episode real quick. It's called uh, the uh, it's called Inheritance, not the Inheritance. Come on, guys. And <laughs> it is uh, episode 10 of season seven. So on Federation Planet. <laughs> Atreya 4, Data encounters a woman who claims to be his mother, the former wife of his creator. And in the beginning of the episode, they're all sitting around a conference table talking about how this Atreya 4 is like, oh, it's totally doomed because the planet's interior is going to cool and we won't have the molten core that we need. We just love our molten core. Tremendous, tremendous molten core. Um... I don't want to normalize Trump impressions, but I think everybody loves the core guys. So, um, <laughs> but uh, that was so casually good. So, so Jordy's sitting there and he's like, well, I could shoot like a laser into the core. I know. I know. Like, I'm like, I love this show because like, and any other, like I was immediately like, okay, so they have to like de- decolonize and recolonize and go to a new place. And then Jordy's like, I kind of want to try to shoot a beam into the core. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, wow, let's do it. This is Jordy, just like a top board. Yeah, Jordy's, he's on, he had his new medication. It's great. 
His visor doesn't hurt anymore. He's fucking ready to go. <laughs> He's like, and shoot the core. Let's shoot the core. Let's shoot the core. <laughs> He's like, let's shoot the fucking core. Um, With anyways, his like, so- hairstyle this episode, his hairstyle is a little wet. <laughs> <It's> wet. <laughs> and it looks rad. So he's just like really, <laughs> he's, just <laughs> he's really sharp he just today. He comes in like they won't. He's, he's just shot, fresh. The shot is him like he's just like he's like <laughs> shoot the fucking car, dude. And he's just like and he just slides by. Through. They're like, did these chairs always roll? Okay, so anyway, <laughs> um, and then after the meeting that they're having with these colonized the head of the colony or whatever, which is this weird couple. They're always like a, like a male, female, asexual male, female. couple. They're, it's always like, are they brother, sister? What's going asexual, on? Asexual, but like weirdly tense, tense in like a gross way. <laughs> yeah. Cause last episode there was like a brother and sister and they're like, we fuck. They were like touching hands. So they, the woman in the couple takes data aside after and she's like, you don't remember me, do you? I'm your mom. Uh, <laughs> and imagine that just in a, like a, in like a store. And because what 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 struck me most, I think, is mm-hmm. like the meeting, the 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 switch, the uh, reveal, or the what do you call it, the bait, the timing, the beginning yeah. of the whole of the reveal yeah. about this planet, and then at the end, and her not looking at data really at all. There's no, there's not a ton of look. She was, she was staring at him a little bit weirdly. Oh, she right was right up top. Yeah. I thought about that when I was rewatching it because I I. Didn't I was gonna go back and look and yeah. and see like how was she behaving because yeah. she should have been like all about it. She was like I noticed right away that she was a little like uh just distracted. Yeah, something. a little staring me, at him. A the little. bait and switch yeah. is like oh because he's an android and and we've been through so many episodes where people see data and they're like yeah anyway we got this planet. That's what I <laughs> thought at first. I didn't remember this episode. So, yeah. Uh, I was I was like oh she's like. Gonna be weirded out about data being real weird colored, yep. you know. <laughs> it's like, uh oh, we got a Karen, and <laughs> she's like, call the Federation, please. <laughs> <laughs> He's got swamp green eyes, like space a Karen. space Karen. Uh, but she was her husband is kind of a space Karen, though. Um, he was a hater for sure. So yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the this um. She's like an amazing actress and she has the perfect eyes to be like, like, yeah, yeah. a little like suspiciously emotional, you know? Um, oh, she plays an amazing character in, in what's that? Nicole Kidman, the, the others, the, the others? others, she's the lead, yeah. of, the other lead of the others. Yeah. And she's so good. Oh she's my really God. Good in them. I love that movie. But I wanted to talk about the, the description in the wiki page. Because okay. it says, Data meets too. Juliana Tainer, former wife of Dr. Noonien Soong, and Data's mother, quote unquote, but she holds a shocking secret that even she doesn't know she carries. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I'm just Very like, provocative. I, yeah, but also kind of dumb. Written, I don't know how to explain <laughs> it. You know? Um, all right. And, and, I, and I appreciate the, uh, the structure, the way this episode's structured, like, it doesn't tease. Yeah. You know, it really doesn't. Te- and like it, I have to say great restraint on the writer's part, because there's a lot of episodes that you're just like, okay, great. You know, I know what it's going to be. Um, but this episode didn't really tease that at all. It was just like, it was truly, you know, the reveal will jump to kind of what happens is that data figures out that this lady who says that she knew Noonie and Soong was a um, person maybe once he doesn't figure that part out but it's that she's not a person she's an android and he figures that out through things that only he would be able to tell like blinking algorithms and her ability to do certain computations really fast or her ability to play the play the the violin yeah the viola um like really like exactly like it's like you're hearing the same song recorded basically and he heard that but like the human ear wouldn't be able to hear and and then that ends up being a thing that they figure out she doesn't even know and so they're like well what do we do guys uh so i pulled the scene which i this is just my one of my favorite scenes ever of like picard oh sorry my cat has something to say about it too did i interrupt you to make your point 
You wanted to say something. Okay. When Data discovers that she's an android, it's because they have to make a jump. And she's like an old lady at this point still. And it's like a jump that I was like, wow, Midsummer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She was like, I don't know if I'll make the jump. And Data's like, sure you will. And then it was the longest. I just got it. It was the. Have you seen Midsommar? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was the longest shocking (laughs) fall that Data just had an old lady do when he could easily carry her in his arms. Climb down though. Yeah. Like you're saying he should jump with her, holding her. Yeah. But because he's an android, if if she really was a human, he wouldn't have said jump because she would have. Yeah. Oh, you think he he was like you can do it, bitch? (laughs) Yeah, that was weird. You're an android. Yeah. By the you way, don't those know, but you can do it. Those caves are were still around on my show. The same set in the same spot. They I bet looked they did almost so many. identical. So were they many like shows the break in the cave set. <laughs> What's that? Were they like the break room? Yeah, it was kind of Cat, like cats holding. Like in regular non-shooting there days. Were a lot of, there were a lot of cats on that stage. I think that was stage sixteen at Paramount, and they had a whole side of the stage that was all cave tunnels, and then there was this open area with the two-story caves. And that's where they jumped off. I know exactly where they shot that. I shot in um, stage five. Did you ever shoot in stage five? I don't think so. At Paramount? Uh, Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. But that was near stage five. Yeah, because all the Star Trek stages were like eight, nine. It was near. uh, It's across from Edith Head uh, costume. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's so nice. Every time I went through Paramount to work, I was like, oh, my God, Star Trek was shot mostly here. It's crazy. I was just like a fan of Star Trek going to work. Paramount's a classic. It's my favorite, like, old Hollywood lot. I've never heard of it. Okay. Well, you'll find out. (laughs) Don't worry about it. (laughs) What you got there? Oh, look at that. Marina looks so beautiful. I I know. Every makeup, she's just like, serves it. She just pops. We should do a bonus content tutorial of of like Deanna makeup. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Concerned with what would be best for her. But wouldn't be she best. be better off knowing the truth, dealing with the reality of her existence? I don't think so. She's believed she's human all her life. The truth might be devastating to her. Data, there might come some time in the future when she would find out anyway. Another accident, perhaps. Maybe it would be easier for her if she learned the truth from you. No one's helping. Everyone's saying more things. That if I were in her place, Mm. I would rather be told by my son than by some stranger. I find I am having difficulty separating what would be best for her from what would be best for me. What do you mean? Perfect. If she knew she were an android, We would have something to share. I would no longer be alone in the universe. Oh, he feels alone in the universe. To you, Data. But at the same time, by telling her, you're robbing her of the one thing you've wanted all your life: (gasps) to be human. The Anna Slay. This is that like it's human predicament that Wait, he's got to learn about. This part where he what is says, it? "Do what you think best, Data, but whatever decision you make, we will support it." Now I'm still a captain of a starship, right? Because <laughs> like, it's like this part is so crazy because he's like, he literally goes, uh, "Is there any accident where she could find out she's human, and yeah. it wouldn't be from you, and?" Then Crusher's like, I mean, it'd be better if you told her. And then he, Picard's just sitting there in the room. He and doesn't he's like, have anything to add. Listen, it's Listen, a big just, deal that you're. It's going a difficult this. choice. It doesn't affect me or the rest of the crew. And I actually need to all. be. <laughs> at all. Like at we all. don't really it care. The Federation. There's no. I care personally. I'll say that off the record. <laughs> but the rest of this, like, I've got to go. Do you understand? I don't know why I'm. Riker's not here. Why am I here? <laughs> like, it's so insane that he's in that room for that conversation. He's like, yeah. well, sorry for what you're going through. Why? Where's Jordy? Jordy's like, you will figure it out. Shooting the core. <laughs> Jordy's just like, <laughs> shooting the core. 
Curtis is like daydreaming of like pew, 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 pew. <laughs> so um, we want to I, I, I do want to ask you before we have to wrap up about your show, because uh, oh, yeah. this was the reason eventually that I finally I, I wanted you to do this show. And I and I love talking to you. Um, and I know you were uh, part of the Star Trek universe, but I didn't know until someone on our um, show told me deep. that you had your own podcast, Delta Flyers. So I do. There's my hat, the Delta Flyers. That's cool. our show. Yeah, they have merch. Look how organized we, they are. We I know. Merch. They're not like us. It's no. okay. They love us just like this. We had a merch once. We had a, we had a merch, merch once. Merch is fun. The, I, that's one thing I will say about Star Trek fans. They love the merch. They, they love should. like... Like, yeah, the cosplay stuff. They love the T-shirts of the different shows. Yeah. And, and let me say, we autographs. love it. Because we, <laughs> yes, we. I exactly. love it, too. I, I still buy anything Star Trek related. I just, it's I want an Elkar's phone. <laughs> right? Yes. It's, I'm selective about it because I don't want to have objects in my house, but, I, mm -hmm. but I'll still g get something always. Like, why not? Like, how could a night? We had a we had a writer on Voyager named Brian Fuller who's gone on to create some big shows and do his own thing. But Brian uh, came on as a staff writer, a baby writer on Voyager, and he was a fan. He, I think he got the job because he was a Star Trek fan. And I remember his office when he first came on the show late in our run, um, or halfway through our run, let's say. He filled his office with his personal collection of merch, of toys. He had all kinds of collectibles from every sci-fi and horror show. It was just, his office was filled with collectibles and action figures and, and all that stuff. That's so, super cool. Yeah. It was, it's definitely part of the, part of the culture, I think yeah. of it's like, it's like baseball fans that collect baseball cards, I guess, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like you get, you kind of get into like the games. You surround yourself with it and it, it yeah. does make you feel less alone in the universe as data yeah. would say. And he's constantly yeah. saying. I want to yeah. know more about Delta Flyers. The podcast. Yeah. So we um, we all kind of went into our quarantines back in March uh, of 2020. As we know, you guys As remember we, that, right? You guys at home, in, in case you're just tuning in, that happened in 2020. <laughs> we, jokes, we, joke, we joke on our podcast all the time about people who are just tuning in. Just tuning in. in that's right. Podcast. Yeah. And Alice and I were working together on Resident Alien. We were just about to start the finale. Lucky you. The finale. And then lucky me. And then um, and then we went into quarantine. And so about a, a few weeks into the quarantine, uh, one of my fellow uh, actors on Voyager, he had played Harry Kim. His name is Garrett Wong. And uh, and his character and my character were like brothers. We were like best friends and kind of the younger on the show. We were kind of the younger, um, you know, buddies. Anyway, he called me and he said, hey, you know, I've always had this idea, but you're always busy. And I'd love to do like a rewatch where you and I rewatch the episodes from the beginning and we talk about our memories and maybe we could do a podcast during the this pandemic time. And I was like, yeah, I don't know who's really interested in. I don't I'm know. In. Like, yeah, there you go. Well, it it really like we came up with a format and we came up with our plan and then we started doing it at, probably in May or something. And it's called The Delta Flyers. And we put out a free podcast on all the podcast so platforms. Cool. We have a Patreon site where people can get bonus content or additional stuff if they want to uh, become patrons. So there's all different levels there. We've got everything from people that just get a little extra long podcast to people who we call our, our admirals. <laughs> or our executive producers of the, of the show That's that we amazing. do like we do monthly twice a month. We do uh, zoom meetings with these, these sponsors and fans to like get their feedback on the show. Once a month. Like, uh, once a month. To, yeah. I'm going to have to have yeah. this all cut out because we have we to cut this out. We definitely this. are. Stuff, we started this show six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> cut all and this like, out. And we have a Patreon and then we just throw, we just, just throw things it. into it, but we don't like, uh, we're just like, oh, it's Patreon. I don't know. I guess Frankly, we, we just yeah. need like two, three more employees who have the, their mind on it. Because yeah. Alice and I that's, are just not those people, frankly. That's totally what Garrett and I yeah. do. Garrett, Garrett's the actor. We've got, um, you know, my girlfriend slash fiance now. I got engaged, Alice. Congratulations. I oh, I yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. I thought you were already Thank engaged. You. 
What's that? I thought you were already in Gajid. No, we've oh. just been dating for six years. He just gives years, off that so. vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh, that gives us those of us hope that are, dating, that are dating for years and have not gotten in Gajid yet. Who asked for the hand? Who asked for the I hand? I asked for the hand. How did you do it? I, how did I you do it? It was New Year's Eve. New Year, it was going to be a road trip to Tofino, which is a beautiful place up here in Canada. But with the quarantine and COVID, we couldn't yeah. go anywhere. So I said, you know what? I'm going to plan New Year's Eve. I'm going to get some food. So we got like the whole New Year's meal from one of our favorite restaurants. And, and I said, I'm going to do it like a New Year's activity. Let's do a New Year's activity since we can't go anywhere. So I was, so I said, and I didn't tell her until after dinner. So we got, I got these like Christmas tree ornaments that are just wooden ornaments that you can decorate yourself. And I said, you know, 2020 has been a tough year. 2021. A crafty man. <laughs> let's. I was like, God, give us more. We're going to have like, we're going to start a whole new year. And let's, here's what I want to do. Come up with 21 visions for, for the new year. 21 visions that we both want. And we'll take turns back and forth. And we'll write it on a, on a Christmas ornament so we can hang it up. And the next year, we'll see how that turned out. So we go back and forth with like. I'm going to, you know, be more organized or I'm going to whatever, you know, our visions. And we went back and forth and I had the last Next year is very depressing. Like you just achieve yeah. like I'm two. I'm going to make less wooden <laughs> ornaments. Well, this fucking sucked. Yeah. She was like, she was like oh, Jesus, we got to do an activity. Oh, oh my God. Oh, you're that but, person. I'm usually that person. I'm like, let's do a journaling activity. And people are like, please, let's just break up. So anyway, the last ornament, the 21, the 21st ornament I wrote. And I said, will you marry me? And then when I handed it to her, I got down on a knee and pulled the ring out. And it was beautiful. It was great. Uh-huh. So now we have a souvenir that says, will you marry me? And <laughs> it goes on the tree. Okay, we have to make a... Wait, we, we have sound applause, effects for this. Noise. Well, I have to now share screen sets. So it's just it really should get... It's a lot. Like, this is a congratulations. Things you know, I have two questions for you. It's actually funny yes. that it's much later. One is, I just always wonder... You've been you now. You've been a serious regular who has to wear this outfit all the fucking time, and oh, that's not the sound effect. <laughs> that's the reaction that's of not... me getting it ready too late. Okay, yeah. Um, so uh, you've you've worn you've had to wear the uniform. Wow, <laughs> that was for my activity. Yeah, that's what we did. Oh yeah, because it was like a like a preschool. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's, 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 a a it's like perfect wow. actual sound. Is that good? Yeah. That was okay. <laughs> uh, maybe it's like. I wish I knew how to quit you. But it's. But you gotta marry That's me. A, yeah, but you gotta marry me. Okay, that works. That's my favorite one. Wait, so I have a question about that. Wearing the the uniform yeah. for seven seasons, six seasons. You know, yeah. like those seasons were long. How was yeah, that to you as an actor? Was it like a little triggering to or get did back it in? Chafe? On Voyager, well, they were different uniforms, believe it or not, from Next Gen to Voyager. On Next Gen, they had this spandex material that was actually very stretchy. The bad part about the Next Gen outfit is it's sort of like, you know, like compression shirts or really tight stuff. It sort of shows every little bulge and wrinkle. So that was not fun. But it was it was they were comfortable on Next Gen. The one on Voyager was made of wool, a very thin wool. It didn't stretch at all. And it was super hot. So, um, yeah, they both had their upsides and their downsides. Well, the TNG ones, the, the new ones, once they refreshed them at some point in like season four, I want to say, um, they were like $3,000 each. Oh, yeah. Very yeah, because they were like the I don't know the why material. they make it out of a thin wool because wool is so susceptible so to moth and decay. It seems like... Oh, yeah. A bad. I may or may not have stolen two of my uniforms from the show. That's I'm, pretty I amazing. May or may not have. Okay, yeah. We. I'm assuming you didn't. Yeah. You yeah. Know? No. Yeah, who would did, do that? Didn't. No. Yeah. Who would? Who would Nobody. take property from a Star Trek show? Property. Who? It would, would take... be. Frankly, you would be the first actor to ever have taken property. A costume. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that they wore. Like if you're yeah. dumb enough to take. To, okay, well, maybe if you're the props guy and you bring in a fruit basket for that's like a real fruit and snack basket right. for a character who's in the hospital, maybe then 
and that Man. is a hypothetical situation. It's just a hypothetical, kind of like that scene that we shot with oh, I didn't even you, think about Alice, scene. in the hospital. I, a- <laughs> I do want to say one thing, and everybody go listen to Delta Flyers yes. and see how it's done. All right. Just go see how it's done. <laughs> and come back, come back to us and tweet this at us. And tweet at us. And honestly, spank us. And we'll maybe, yeah. <laughs> I like I, it. I did want to say to Robbie before we go, um, I have I want to say apologize. something else too. No. I yeah. have to say, you are so patient with me as an actor because oh. I'm like blown away. I mean, you're a very good director, but you know, it's yeah, like I can tell thanks. that you are the person who was all you always wanted to direct. You know, you seem like that kind of a um, deliberate sort of. But also you're patient. You have this. Like, oh. I'm always walking into scenes. Always. And I'm sure you've noticed this. No, never. I, I don't even know what you're going to say. And people are like doing the, their jobs. And I am like, maybe if you did it like this, like. <laughs> And I'm like, people don't even know I'm there. They're like, are you in today? And I'm just like, do it this way. I I realized from watching you and working with you and this show, like I probably should try eventually to do this. And I don't know if I'd be a good at it or not. I think you definitely. But I I get into these situations and 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 you always make me feel so comfortable and not shitty about it. So I thank thank you you for your patience. And please, please, please know. That at any moment, when you're ever working with me again, you can always be like, Alice, this, this, you can do this or whatever. Because I, I don't. Chris has gotten to the point where he does that with me. And I do need to be told sometimes. But I'll just walk in and be like, Robbie, be like, OK, so for this next scene, I'm like, ah, great. I'm glad you brought that up for this next scene. <laughs> and you just have like a board already. Just like I got a with whiteboard. Here. Yeah. You have an yeah. assistant to help. I you like it. I like notes. it. I, I, I realize that I like. I get it. Working with you, I'm like, oh, I get oh, it. I get why directing is fun. You that's know, it's very satisfying. Yeah, it's very satisfying to feel like you're helping sort of steer a ship. And some of the things when I, I I know when I'm directing, some of the things I definitely have control over, and some things I don't. That's been a great lesson for yeah. me. Is like to know, all right, let me let go for a minute. Let me just let go. It's like sailing and and watch it because it will it will go where it needs to go. Like the actors will find it. I don't have to try to control it too much. I can, you know, a support really. That's that's my favorite thing about holding space. I get to be a yeah, hold space and and be supportive for people to do their best work and and it will find its 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 way. You know, that's it always frankly does. the best the best because we're all sensitive artists and this yeah. industry is really hard. So having that kind of like what that's you're describing right. right now is just like it doesn't always happen that you're on set being like. I'll do whatever. And people are nice to you about yeah. it. Uh, well, not whatever, but you know, something, no. yeah. there's places that feel very stiff and you need to be like, Oh, careful. You, what, yeah. How you behave. And it's true that we need a little like that of that breathing room to be artists and to be right. our own Absolutely. personalities and to, and to be able to spend 16 hours in a, you know, in a, yeah. on a set, we need to I be really a little would bit like to see what Stretched. eyes wide shut would be if you had directed it or something like just a different, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, all right. I know it was a little rigid before you had to right. like, keep a secret for a long time, but you know, <laughs> but I do feel like it's, it, we're lucky to have you because it's so cool to, it is a tough industry. Yeah. And it can be very you tough. have the experience of somebody who's been on our side of the camera a lot and you know what those pressures are on camera and off. Mm-hmm. And you come to this directing with understanding of that. And we and I very much and the rest of the cast that works on Resident Alien gets to like have that. And it oh. makes it so much easier for us to do our jobs, but also to like, I don't know, get excited to come to work. And it's really yeah. cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it's too. It's this this industry is too long. The hours are too long. And Sometimes the rain and the weather and the right. conditions that we're in, like it can be miserable. Right. And so, but also the like working, working and then not working and not, and it's, it, and yeah. a lot of our, a lot of our us actors and also I'm sure creators are like, our work is tied up in our self-worth completely. Yeah. And we all know that. And so that's why we get the, the divas and the people on set who yeah. freak out and stuff like that. And, yeah. and that isn't what really goes on in Resident Alien because I think we just are so adulty. Resident Alien's it, but, an awesome, it's an awesome uh environment that 
started with Chris Sheridan and what he wrote down and created and ca- who he cast and and what he does on a daily basis on that show is really uh, yeah. starts with him. It, but the culture is is such a great culture and it, it is it's such a great very culture. hard to find. Yeah, really I'm excited I'm so for happy. your your guys' show and yeah, I can't wait to see it. I'm so excited. Yeah. I want to tell you something. You know, I did yes. watch Voyager like quite a few seasons and I just like don't remember shit, but I know. And then now I'm like, <laughs> my mind has been blown this entire episode that you're the same person that was in <laughs> in funny. duty. What is it? The first duty. Yeah. First duty. Thank you. Uh, I was like, one of duty. No, that doesn't make sense. English is my second <laughs> language and I'm just like, forget it. Um, And now I'm like, wow, you really did change. But there's a part of me that like now I'm seeing both your faces, like your your face mm-hmm. in TNG and your face. In Voyager, and I'm like, I'm I'm sure at some point in the back of my brain, I was like, who are these like similar actors they get in Star Trek? You know, like, and right. it just like fucks up with your brain because some actors do do like two, three roles. Oh, and, yeah, for sure. And so you feel like, is this an American style of person or is this, you know, like that confusion? Yeah. Yeah. And I just have this distinct feeling with you now that I know all this and I'm like, Right. <laughs> I just knew both these phases and they were similar. Yeah. It's also funny, like on on Next Gen, I feel like that character was someone who looked nice on the outside, but was kind of rotten on the inside. Like he turned out to be yeah. not a good guy. And I think on Voyager, it was almost the polar opposite. Yes. In the beginning, he looked like a jerk. And if you can bear with him over the course of the yeah. series... He actually turned into a really good guy That's by the softy. end of the series. Carrie Agos. That's who I was thinking of before. Uh, Carrie Agos on The Good Wife is a similar character. It's like the pretty boy, sort of privileged looking. My ex-husband used yeah. to call it somebody who looks like a senator's nephew. Right. That, you know, I played those roles. Yes. The guy who, and then, he, <laughs> totally, and then you're yeah. like, okay, I know who this guy is. And then we just yeah. unravel the humanity of this person and also redeem them. And, yeah. you know, and it's, it's awesome a trope that that's been explored, but also it's, it's, just, I like it usually when it happens. And yeah, I think it was really a great character. It's to play. And, and Carrie Agos is one of my favorite characters on TV. So we're not um, talking about Carrie Agos. We're not talking about that other show. Such as. <laughs> <laughs> she does. She does. She makes a point. Do you guys keep talking more? Cause I do have to jump. I'm sorry. <gasps> yeah. We'll pretend no, you're still realized. here. I'll say yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just keep, I'll just like. Hold, put yeah, a freeze just do frame. A, like a solid, like a, yeah, a picture. We'll and pick be, some yeah. words that we already. <laughs> Very beautiful, Veronica, as well. You deserve a million dollars. We'll just uh, pick words that you already said and edit something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Edit some content. Sorry, do a deep me. fake. <laughs> we'll just make some quotes. Well, thank you so much thank for you so joining much. us. Well, of course. This was really fun. Ah, you're the best. This was so Robbie. wonderful. And listen to, please, uh, I want to say Dark's Pilots, but that's not. Delta, the Delta, Delta Flyers. For, flyers. The Delta Flyers, Jesus. yeah. And watch for Star Trek Forager, um, <laughs> which is about a, a truffles. So, yes, it's about... The Borgage, Borgage. And congrats on your wild. engagement. And my engagement. Congrats. That's huge. That's the best news. And congrats to both of you on Resident Alien. I can't wait to see Thank it. Thank you. Yes, awesome. January 27th. Tune in. Woo. Woo. All right. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye. Bye. Forever. <laughs> This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. 